And so happy Easter, church family. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and we will be glad in it. Hallelujah and amen. Jesus has overcome, friends. And I don't know about you, but I also like this feeling of victory because in life, too often it's easy to feel defeated. Can we talk about that a little bit? This past week in the news, there was a fire in Paris. The Notre Dame Cathedral was on fire. The icon beloved by so many. I remember learning about it when it comes to Gothic architecture of a church. The rose windows, the flying buttresses. I'm curious, has anyone ever been there? And so when we saw this image, there were feelings of defeat. Parisians with tears in their eyes, disbelief, wondering how could this happen. The 19th century spire turning black and crumbling. The 13th century roof, also done. Yes, there are people who have promised to rebuild it, French billionaires and the government already promising hundreds of billions of dollars, but still it's defeat. You ever feel that way? Do you ever feel defeated? Maybe for you it's uh, the allergies at this time of year, you know, the pollen report. It's hard to feel uh, very good and in victory when you don't feel healthy. Uh, maybe for you, it's your financial house. Whenever there's more bills than there is money to pay those bills, it feels like defeat. Maybe for you, it's just guilt and shame over things you've done in the past or not so distant past. Defeated is exactly how the disciples felt on a day we call Good Friday. When Jesus hung on a cross and died, there the hopes and the dreams of all those disciples were burning to the ground. In fact, we know how they went away on Good Friday. It says, When all the people who had gathered witnessed the sight of Jesus' death and saw what took place, they beat their breasts and they went away. They looked on, stunned silence, wondering how could this happen. We had so many hopes. But then things changed. Things changed because of three simple words. He is risen. It's what an angel said to the women gathered at the tomb. He is risen. And with that, it was the signal that there was victory over defeat. That joy could be renewed and hope could be renewed, all because he is risen. And so I tell you, he is risen. And this means hope and it means joy renewed for you as well. In fact, some of you might wonder, you know, did he really rise? We live in an age of skepticism, and if you wonder, did he really rise? Is this word really true? I invite you to go to Jerusalem. For in Jerusalem, there is the garden tomb. In fact, I had a chance to go there. Right after seminary, I went and I investigated a tomb where they think Jesus was laid, or a replica thereof. But inside was the inscription. He's not here. He is risen. It was just a replica. It reminds me of something else I saw in Jerusalem. I saw this, the Church of the Sepulchre. That's a monument for the tomb of Jesus where they think they placed him. But that's just a guess. They don't actually know where they placed the body of Jesus. And do you know why? Can you ask me why? Say why, Pastor. Because he didn't stay there. So they can only make replicas and guesses because the man who was put in the tomb came out on the third day. And it's not because the disciples stole the body, and it's not because he didn't actually die. It's because the author of life died, but he took life back 
to say we have victory. And that victory, it is ours. And so if you're taking notes this morning, I want you to take note of this, that Jesus' resurrection means victory for the defeated. Victory no matter the circumstances, no matter the feeling. That victory is for you and it is for me. This victory, it kind of reminds me of something I experienced in Chicago. I was downtown and I saw a symbol of victory. It was uh, a Cubs World Series ring. (laughs) Now, Sox fans, you are welcome. We love you. But I was able to be a part of that victory, at least for a moment. I could put it on. I could have that sense, me as a winner, me as a cub. Ah! They probably won't win for another hundred years. But But I had to give the ring back. I couldn't keep it. It was just a sense of victory, but it was very fleeting. Jesus says to you, I have something for you you don't have to give back. It's not a ring, but it's a crown. It's hope that is forever, and it's hope for every day. All because he is risen. And so we're going to hear that today, and we're going to look at the words of the Apostle Paul as he writes to Christians in a town called Corinth. And the reason these words are so significant is because the Christians in Corinth were feeling defeated. They were questioning the resurrection of Jesus at all, and so they're asking the question, why should we live for the Lord? And I don't know if you've ever asked that question, I don't know if you've ever been at that point, but that's where they were. Why should we live for the Lord if there is no resurrection? And so Paul has to encounter them and has to say, no, he is risen, and here are the implications of that empty tomb. And so we get to hear from Paul today. Those glorious words recorded. And we don't just think it's Paul who's speaking to us. We do believe that God has preserved these words for us, that God is speaking to us through these words. And in honor of the word of God, I'm going to invite you to please stand. I invite you to please stand. Here we have the words from the great resurrection chapter 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It says, Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know your labor in the Lord. It is not in vain. These are the implications of an empty tomb. Before you sit down, can you turn to the person next to you and tell them, love wins, for he has risen. Love wins, for he has risen. Please be seated. Please be seated. It is good to have you here. Why do we have an Easter bunny? Anyone get pictures with the Easter bunny? I always love the pictures where the one child is screaming in terror of the Easter bunny, right? I have no idea. I didn't Google why we have an Easter bunny. But I didn't want to talk about bunnies on Easter today. I actually wanted to talk about penguins. Um, I don't know if you've heard that Disney is coming out with this movie called Penguins. It uh, features Steve who falls in love. And and it seems to be a heartwarming tale. I was watching a a little clip about how um, one penguin will learn the other penguin's exact voice. 
When they first meet, you know, that's kind of how they mate, is getting to know the exact tone of that other penguin's voice in the myriad of thousands of other penguins. Kind of cute, maybe something good to see on Easter, I don't know. But it's funny because there's also something out on Netflix that features penguins. And Steve shouldn't watch this one. He really shouldn't. My family was turning on Our Planet, and, uh, and it showed the penguin's plight. For what you need to know is that penguins are prey. They have many predators, and actually this lovable creature, the, the sea lions and seals, are actually predators trying to wipe out those, those penguins. There are also dolphins who try to eat the penguins, and there are polar bears who try to eat the seals. So it's like a battle of cuteness, Right? But what I figured out is there's a lot of prey and a lot of predators. We need to consider that on Easter because the reality of life is we are like Steve the Penguin. We are prey. In fact, we have many predators. We have the predator of sin which lives inside us, which tempts us to do all sorts of things. We have the predator of the devil who is real, who wants to get us down. And perhaps the most potent predator is death. And you think of death. Doesn't matter how smart you are. Doesn't matter how much money you make. Death is still your predator. It doesn't matter if you treat your body well or if every day you eat a Fleckenstein's donut. I think that's a good life, but I probably shouldn't. It doesn't matter because death is still a predator regardless. In fact, I was doing some research. One Bible commentator said this said, death has destroyed the mightiest of kings and emperors. It has broken into every home and has taken its toll of every human family. It has filled this world with futile tears and helpless groans. Yes, death is an enemy. But death meets its match today. All because of three words, he is risen. And what Paul records is what actually a prophet recorded earlier, the prophet Isaiah And that prophet said, death has been swallowed up in victory. And so if you're taking notes, you need to know that our predator is prey to Jesus' victory. Our greatest enemy is going to be swallowed up. The imagery is that of Jesus' victory being a ravenous beast. So Jesus' victory stands on top, kind of like a polar bear, or kind of like your personal lion, and says, whatever is threatening you, don't worry, Jesus' victory is going to swallow that up. And there is no prey that is more powerful than this predator. In fact, we realize that. We realize that at times of death. Yes, we might encounter it. Yes, it may be the worst thing, but it is not the last thing. All because of Jesus' love. You know, another Bible commentator said this. said, through the resurrection of Jesus, God demonstrates God's ultimate expression of love to counter what was an ultimate act of violence. How good is our God? But some of us may wonder, why do we have to face death at all? Why did it come? And Paul reminds us of that as well. In verse 56, he says, The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. Now, now we need to talk about this just a little bit, even on Easter. The law of God is really good. The law of God could be summed up in one word, which is love. In fact, we know that um, to break God's law is really not as much getting away with something as much as it is digging our own hole. 
We don't actually break God's law. We get broken by it, another commentator said, because on the other side of his law is pain for us or pain for someone else. On the other side of gossip or adultery or, or stealing is always pain for when it comes to God's perfect law, he is good. But what we realize when it comes to following God's perfect law is as much as we try, we cannot fulfill it. Have you ever tried to do something and, and just couldn't? I sometimes laugh the comments people say about our praise band. I'm sure glad they sing because I can't. You're still welcome here. It doesn't matter about the song. For me, I've tried many different things that I just cannot do. I think most significantly as a child, I really, really wanted to dunk. And so I wanted my parents to buy me these shoes. Does anyone remember these shoes? Yeah, some, anyone have them? Couldn't afford them. So I, I, I put ankle weights on. And, and I drank milk when milk was good for you. You remember that age? And I thought I was going to grow, and I thought, you know, someday I could touch the rim. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dunk, right? I was planning my, my slam dunk contest. I still have it in my mind, the shot that would win it all, where I, like, jump over the rim and then hang on the rim, and it's just awesome. But try as I might, unless I have an adjustable hoop, I cannot dunk. What about you? Might be something else in your life. As the grass is growing, as gardens are blooming, you might realize that try as you might, you are not a gardener, you are not a green, th green thumb. Maybe it's taxes, that's why you go to H&R Block and say, here you go, I don't get it. When it comes to God's perfect law, we are reminded once again, try as we might, love as we might, in thought, word, and deed, at, at one point or another, we recognize we cannot. In fact, the law only serves as one point. The law serves as a reminder that try as you might, you cannot. Paul reminded us of that in Romans 3. He says, therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by works of the law. Just can't happen. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. And so theologians through the ages said the law is a mirror. And just as a mirror, and you wake up and says, oh, that's off, that's wrong. So the law does that for us. But then there's Jesus. And the victory of Jesus. The enemy of sin went after him as well. But Jesus was stronger. He not only tried, but he could. He lived perfectly. Tempted in every way, but found without sin. And what is incredible, what is remarkable, what is mind-blowing, is by simply believing in the name of Jesus, we receive his finished work. Simply through faith, we receive his righteousness. Through faith, we're credited, we're, we're seen as holy things. Paul says, God will credit righteousness, give righteousness for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. And so there's victory today. And victory is not about us trying to do the work of salvation. It's about us relying in Jesus' finished work of salvation. Try as we might, we will never do it, but God did in Jesus Christ our Lord. And because of this, we treat death differently. It says that the sting has been taken out of death. For this, my mind went to bees. I don't know if anyone's allergic to a bee. Fierce is a bee sting in that situation. I remember in grade school being stung by a bee. I was at Brian Hartle's house. And his mom knew what to do. Took the stinger out, got some ice, put it on it, and then baking soda and water, right? You ever been there? Baking soda and water. And it was soothed, it helped, that ice soothed, that sting, that itch. 
And so God is telling each one of us today, yes, death may come, it might be unavoidable, but Jesus' victory, it has soothed the sting of death. In fact, what's, what's remarkable is sometimes you've met Christians who are confident that the sting has been taken out. I bet there are some here who have been by the, the bedside of someone who is dying. And maybe they even asked you to pray that the Lord would take them. And why? Not because they were suicidal, but because they knew the sting was taken out of death. They knew that only through death they could cross over to see Jesus and have the life that is truly life. The sting's been taken out of death. I remember this going to a, a funeral of that of a, a friend's father. And I was talking to my friend and trying to encourage him and he looked at me real confidently, real stoically. I said, Dustin, I'm fine. No tears, not even emotion. Dustin, I'm fine. I know where my father is. He was confident that Jesus' victory took the sting out of death. That is your hope and that is my hope. So we live in victory. Paul says that we are more than conquerors. Paul says in Romans, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us because we don't fight for a victory, we fight from a victory won through Jesus. But I guess before we leave on Easter and eat our Easter ham, I need to remind you that the victory is not just for someday, but it's also for today. If we go back to this lesson and why it was written, Paul was writing to some Christians who were asking this question. They were saying, why should we live for the Lord? And I still think that's going on today. In fact, in the town of Corinth, this is what was going around. This is what they were saying. They were saying, if the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Now, can Americans relate to this phrase? Let's eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Let's do what we want with whomever we want, when we want, as long as no one gets hurt. Sound about right? And if there is no resurrection, maybe that should be the path. But you know, it kind of reminds me of all the meaningless things we could get up, caught up into in this world. When it comes to meaningless things, I was seeing this Facebook post uh, about golf, the adult version of an Easter egg hunt. And I'm not knocking golf. In fact, I'm trying to renew my golf game. Um, you can invite me out and see how bad I am. I thought I was getting better, and then I added up my score for 18, and it was 136. That is not good. And what I recognize about the game of golf is that no matter how bad I stay or good I get, at the end of the day, it won't amount to a bunch of marbles. It just doesn't matter. And what couldn't you say that about when it comes to life? When it comes to how avidly we watch sports, I'm not knocking watching sports. When it comes to how avidly we play sports, and I'm not knocking that either. When it comes to even the noble things we pursue in this life, how many of them will turn out to be meaningless? You can have a significant career. There's no promise that there will be any meaning left over after that career is done. You can have a significant financial plan. There's no promise that that will lead to a legacy for your family. You can plan great things on your vision board for the future, but there's no promise that any of them will amount to a bunch of marbles. And we learn this from wise King Solomon. 
in Ecclesiastes, here was Solomon's perspective. He said, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. So he did it, the American dream. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. Perhaps this Easter, God is trying to rescue you from wasting your life. Perhaps this Easter, he's trying to embolden you to figure out what does have and what doesn't have meaning. For Paul writes about the resurrection victory of Jesus Christ to make a singular point. This whole resurrection chapter is leading to a therefore. And let me share with you why it's there. Paul says, therefore, in view of the resurrection and Jesus' victory, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that labor in the Lord, it is not in vain. In a world of meaningless pursuits, this is what we learn, that because of Jesus' victory, labor for the Lord is not going to be found to be a bunch of marbles, meaningless. And so you might ask, well, what is this labor for the Lord? Well, it's something we've been about at Amazing Love for 10 years now. It's to reach the lost with the love of Christ. It's to make sure any and all know the victory of Jesus that is freely given for them. It is to fulfill specifically the words of the Great Commission where Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. Go and share this message. That's specifically what it means. But in a general sense, what I think it also means is that we are to love. We are to love God above all things. He should come first. And we are to love those around us. And love will win and love will matter and love will be more than a bunch of marbles. Have you ever recognized that love has an impact? We recognize that every time an older sibling helps a younger sibling with homework or maybe at an Easter egg hunt or shares, it's incredible. We recognize that love matters whenever a husband takes the the hand of his wife, supports her, does whatever he can to make her world better. We recognize that love matters every time a neighbor lives up to the name neighbor and gives and helps and protects and guides. We recognize love matters for every Christian who nobly confesses the name of Jesus, even though they're scared, even though it's intimidating, even though they don't know what it will lead to. Love matters. Jesus proved that. Because it's Easter Sunday. It's 2,000 years since the first Easter. And you think of all that has happened in 2,000 years. Generations well lived, generations lived not so well. You think of 2,000 gener- 2, years of people and projects and powers. You think of poverty, you think of success. You think of some names that you remember and most names that you do not. And out of all the things that have remained, the story of Easter and the fact that there is an empty tomb has still stuck We're still gathered 2,000 years later proclaiming this message. And what we learn is that in a world of defeat, Jesus' love will remain and Jesus' love will win out. It's what we recognized even this past week 
as Notre Dame Cathedral was up in flames. Because they might have taken the spire and they might have taken the, the big roof, but they didn't take the cross. And it's as if Jesus is telling you and I, I don't care what's burning in your life. I don't care the area of your defeat. My love has won. And nothing and no one can change that. And so we have hope. And we have joy. And we walk out to Easter hands. And we go to gravesides. And we pray, but we don't grieve as those without hope. And we look forward to someday seeing our Savior. And in the meantime, we have such great work to do, all because of these simple words. He's risen. Hallelujah and amen. Please stand.